his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast. WILK News Radio. Great. Good morning, everyone. The second hour of the Lollapalooza. 10.08 a.m. here in the great Northeast. This beautiful Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. This is the Bob Canaro Show. I am he. It is a big day to fight for America, defend our values, and honor the brave who have made us and kept us free. People like Charlie Buddy Majikus, Korean War veteran, 93 years old today, and the man we honor today. So with history, our great founding fathers, and the incomparable Constitution of the United States of America as our guides, let us continue today's battle. And we'll remind you, but I think you know, this Bob Cadaro show will always be convincingly conservative, lovingly logical, proudly and passionately patriotic, and reliably right. That preamble dispensed with, we gavel back into order. This meeting of the Club for Common Sense promising you that we will endeavor to provide a sanctuary of sanity for all of you in what has become a mad, 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 upside-down world where leaders in government, global leaders, and, you know, even leaders in business are telling you That upside down is upside right. And one of the fantasies that we've, I don't know how we've slid into, I don't know how else to to talk about it, is something called sustainable investing. And it's based on a theory that environmental, social, and governance, ESG, should drive corporate policy and investment decisions rather than common sense and profits. <laughs> I mean, you would think to yourself, no, that's not possible. But it is. We've been watching it. And so 
we found out about a guy named Paul Tice. And he's written a book, and it is a great one. The Race to Zero. How ESG investing will crater the global financial system. And he, and he lays it right out in lavender. And he's with us today. And I thought he was, I thought it was yesterday, but I, and I, I gave you sort of a pre-intro yesterday, Paul Tice, but we are very proud to have you on today. Welcome. Hi, Bob. Uh, it's great to be with you. All right. <sighs> Give us the, the reason behind why you even wrote the book. I mean, everybody's watching these things, but you decided, first, let's, let's talk a little bit about you. Give us your background. So uh, I worked on Wall Street for 40 years. Uh, I retired about two years ago. Um, you know, I worked at both on the sell side and the buy side. Um, J.P. Morgan, Lehman Brothers, and BlackRock, you know, were mainly my employers over the years. And I specialized in energy really since the 90s. And then the last few years, I've been teaching part-time at NYU Stern. But um, I wrote the book because, you know, even though there's been pushback on ESG the last few years, no one has really given an insider's take uh, from within the industry about how bad it is because no one's allowed to criticize ESG if you're working on Wall Street. Um, so I thought it was important to kind of lay out the argument against ESG investing and why it's so negative because the, the people pushing this, and it is outside forces and activists led by the U.N. that are pushing this on the markets, they're very good at shutting down criticism uh, and debate around this. So I, I thought it was important to get this view out there. And, and I think it's, it, it speaks to a consensus within the industry uh, and a silent majority. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the reaction is, even through private messaging, to see how many people do agreement with me. Uh, Paul Tice is the author of The Race to Zero, How ESG Investing Will Create a Global Financial System. You worked in the belly of the beast for Larry Fink and BlackRock. I mean, you saw this sort of the leader of the charge, by the way, who has said he's backing off of it now. But are they really? Tell us what's the state of play regarding ESG and all this wokeism in uh, that's that's actually threatening to destroy capitalism. Yeah, well, it's, it's been, they've been very effective, they, the, the outside activists, pushing this on the market. And right after the global financial crisis, you know, Wall Street needed to, like, clean up its image. And so this, this plays to their virtue signaling need. Um, and then everyone's gotten suckered into the trade, whether they believe in it, like a BlackRock or not. Um, and now they can't really, you know, find the exit door. Because you, you can't leave a, a you know, you can't start talking about sustainability being a scam now or, or not real, you know, because then obviously that calls into question your investment judgment. <laughs> so they've been very effective at, at using moral duress to get everyone in. And now regulations are coming that's going to require it. And that between now and 2030, I think, needs to be the focus on the, on the pushback. But, but for every firm like BlackRock... And By the way, are there, those, those regulations are primarily from the Biden SEC? They are. I mean, Europe is ahead of us on this because ESG and climate change and sustainability, all of which are, you know, three legs of the same stool, 
Europe is taking the lead in terms of financial regulations. And now the SEC, the Department of Labor, the OCC, the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, they're all preparing rules that are focused on climate and ESG disclosure. And once those go in place, then basically everyone will be like BlackRock. Uh, you know, they'll be forced to comply with this. And, and what that will do is, since ESG is mainly about climate change and defunding oil and gas, you're going to start seeing firms more aggressively moving away from investing in that space. So the momentum continues, Paul Tice. It does. I mean, to your, your question about, you know, is uh, are we winning, you know, maybe in the Charlie Sheen sense of the word, but, uh, you know, I think it's tactical <laughs> retreat. You know, it's really a tactical retreat on the part of, of, say, Larry Fink, not wanting to use the word ESG because it's political. Well, you know, people who are opposed to ESG should just embrace the politics of it because it's clearly progressive politics masquerading as finance. So that, that shouldn't be a, a deterrent for speaking truths around this. But a lot of firms have now, you know, in the last couple of weeks, withdrawn from these net zero groups. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a victory. They're, they're, they're worried about antitrust. They're going to vote the same way uh, individually that they would if they had stayed in the group. And again, everyone is waiting to see how regulations come down before they stick out their chin and expose themselves uh, with regard to backing away from it or getting more aggressive. Even BlackRock has not really backed away from oil and gas because, you know, obviously that would put them at a competitive risk. So they're waiting for political cover from the regulators. So one of the things you uh, talk about in the book is that this presents a, a, a true threat to the world economy and capitalism. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this, ESG is, you know, hand in hand with stakeholder capitalism, you know, which has mainly been pushed by the World Economic Forum. And the WEF and the UN have been kind of fellow travelers in this crusade over the last 40 years. But it's the argument that you should run companies for the good of society and the planet, as opposed to your shareholders and bondholders and, and employees. And, it, you know, they've got a 40 year head start on us. So, um, I, I think we need to acknowledge that, uh, and that should determine exactly what tactics to use to, to, uh, to reverse it going forward. But the, uh, the subtitle of the book, um, you know, it, obviously it's meant to get everyone's attention, but I think this is a real threat because stakeholder capitalism is not capitalism. It may be the end stage of capitalism if we don't, you know, reverse yeah. it, but it's basically the government working through supranational agencies and NGOs, getting the financial markets and the private sector to do the dirty work. And it leaves no government fingerprints on it, so there's no blame. Um, but it's mainly trying to co-op all of the financial flows in the market day to day to accomplish a government-led agenda, which is socialism. When you well, get down and to fascism, it. actually. Yeah. And in, and in, <laughs> they they in the don't book, own you, the means of production. They direct them. Exactly. And, and you can look at ESG and stakeholder capitalism in a 200-year uh, historical spectrum in terms of regular attacks on both capitalism as well as the energy sector. And fossil fuels drives capitalism, has for the last 200 years. So, you know, we, we need to, to focus on there's a reason why, you know, they're, they're so obsessed with climate uh, because it's a way to shut down fossil fuels. So, the, the, the negative scenario going forward, if we don't change the momentum, is that if 
if they do succeed defunding oil and gas and, and pushing this transition, this transition can't be completed as dialed right now. We don't have the technology to accomplish it. It's being driven by, by politicians, not the market. And, and we know how it ends. We've kind of gotten a glimpse of the ending uh, in Europe and parts of the U.S. Yeah. You know, higher energy prices, higher food prices, it'll make the inflation of the last two years look like child's play. And it's going to be lower economic growth, lower living standards, more poverty, and, and higher mortality because our grids are becoming more unstable. And when they go down in the winter, people die, as we saw in Texas. You know, so we're going to have a problem we haven't had for 100 years in terms of not having dispatchable or reliable power. Um, I mean, it's shocking, but mm. that, that's clearly the way where we're going unless we can reverse this thing. Our guest is uh, Paul Tice. He's the author of The Race to Zero, How ESG Investing Will Crater the Global Financial System, and it's available everywhere. Uh, just go to Amazon or your local bookstore. Uh, Paul Tice, so when you look at this, and I, I'm having the same discussion about the border and everything almost every day. What is the, what's the pathology behind this way of thinking? Is it guilt uh, combined with uh, an, an opportunity to control others' activities? Uh, jealousy. I mean, it, it's it's got. I've I've sort of narrowed it down to those three factors. Uh, if you want to do do it with a broad brush, Who, what is the pathology and mentality leading this? Well, I, I think it's all about political control. I mean, there, there's a lot of personal gain to yeah. to be to be captured here. So there are a lot of grifters around this who have made a career about it, and, and you see that in Wall Street too. You know, in terms of you know all of the groups that have have um, sprung up in the last few years to help everyone think about ESG. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's all about political control. If you can control um, um, everyone based on how, many, how much their emissions are, you can control every aspect of their economic life, how much mobility that they have, um, you know, if they live in a 15 or a 20-minute city, um, what they can buy, you know, if, if you look at what the World Economic Forum has, has been putting out there in their white papers, which are kind of like trial balloons, they are, are putting some fairly dark scenarios out in terms of controlling the population. And since fossil fuels drive capitalism and the economy, that is really the ultimate means of controlling everyone in the population. And, and this is happening behind the scenes. You know, even if you're invested in the market, you're probably not really – you know, uh, aware of this. And a lot of the focus on ESG has been on more cultural issues. So I think a lot of people may be dismissing it as just the latest skirmish in, in culture wars over the last few decades. But it's really all about climate change. I think a lot of the other stuff in the boardroom, Disney, Bud Light, that's to distract everybody. Um, you know, it's really climate change at the end of the day that everyone agrees upon is the priority. Hmm. Uh, but it's all about control. I think we need to throw out the entire uh, original thesis that, you know, Democrats and liberals and progressives are, you know, big hearted, but small minded. And, you know, they keep screwing up, but their heart's in the right place. You know, th this is all part of a 40 year <laughs> agenda, if not longer. And clearly it's all coordinated and choreographed. Paul Tice, that is so well said. Uh, can you hang with us for a couple of minutes through a commercial break? 
Sure. All right. Paul Tice is our guest. He's the author of a very, very important book, The Race to Zero, How ESG Investing Will Crater the Global Financial System. We're going to, I've got a couple of sort of concluding questions for him after these messages. Uh, Paul Tice, we'll, we'll talk to him in a minute. The Four Seasons moved from number 11 to number 3, this date in 1964, with their hit Dawn Go Away, and uh, 1959, the first Daytona 500 held. Apparently, some was held on the beach, sort of drag racing, and an incredible institution was born. Our guest is Paul Tice. He's the author of The Race to Zero. How ESG investing will crater the global financial system. And Paul, let's start from the beginning in a sense. Tell us what ESG investing, what do those letters stand for? And I guess what's the practical impact of following that direction instead of profit? Well, ESG would be environmental, social, governance factors, as you said. Um, and clearly those are non-financial factors, and, the, and it's also a morally subjective framework. But the argument is that that will drive financial value going forward, which is you know, both a ridiculous proposition <laughs> and uh, unprovable based on the historical data. So you know, it's this Jedi mind trick that they're using on people in the industry uh, that if you do this, then it'll lead to value down the road. They never actually define how long it will take. And we have a number of examples where, you know, it's been a killer over the short term. So uh, it clearly is, is a disconnect, but, but it's being pushed on. Um, and part of the, the, the goal is to re, re, redefine the fiduciary rule to allow for ESG. Um, because the fiduciary you know, rule says you, you're holding my money You've got to treat my money better than your own, essentially. Right, right. And, you know, there are varying definitions. But when it comes to your investment advisor, they have to put your financial interests first. But all of the activists led by the U.N. for the last decade have aggressively tried to lobby uh, regulators to change the definition of the fiduciary rule. And that's happened in the U.S. and, and it's happening here under the Biden administration with the Department of Labor. So once you change that, that definition and require uh, ESG, then that's going to free up a lot of firms or force them to start including, to, to make that the primary driver of investment decision-making. And because everyone agrees that climate change uh, is bad and the priority goal, that's when you're going to start seeing a real defunding take place. And it's already occurring. Um, you know, this, again, it's behind the scenes, but the number of European banks that are no longer willing to lend to the oil and gas industry grows week by week. Um, and eventually U.S. banks will follow, and then that will leak into the bond market. So I, I think the credit markets, for all the focus on the equity markets and all these proxy battles every year, I think it's the credit markets, which is the real risk in terms of defunding. And the credit markets are much larger, like way larger than the, the uh, equity markets. Yeah, and, and debt is obviously a cheaper source of capital, even with the increase in, in interest rates recently. So it's a source of liquidity. It, you know, it, it funds your organic growth. It funds your acquisition-related growth. And if you've got a shrinking universe of banks 
or capital providers, that's going to be a problem. It will constrain supply and the growth of the industry. Well, particularly in energy, where massive capital expenditures are required to bring home the bacon. Uh, Now, a, a lot of people are saying, hey, this is just capitalism and unbridled capitalism that... But the, the fact is, this is the opposite of capitalism. This is bridled, controlled, and, and uh, configured capitalism. It's not true capitalism. No, it, it's a, a completely coercive system. Um, if you look at, again, the, the UN's PRI group, which everyone is a member on Wall Street, uh, they have requirements that you have to integrate ESG into all of your assets. You know, not just assets that are labeled sustainable, uh, that you raised under that, that label, uh, it's all your existing funds. That clearly is a fiduciary problem to do that ex post. Um, and, you know, if you speak out, if you, you know, you, if you don't stick with the program, then you become the target because, um, you know, they use, uh, you know, uh, he- uh, headline risk and controversies is the phrase used. You know, you don't want to have an yeah. ESG controversy, which, you know, a flash mob can be ginned up, you know, on a moment's notice to show up at your headquarters. And they've done that uh, for a financial firm or an oil and gas company. Um, so it's very easy. And that, that's actually been very effective in getting CEOs to, to stick with the program. I mean, it's been surprising to me how many CEOs really don't have uh, the courage of their convictions, even in the energy sector, where you would think they would defend themselves yeah. because they're the number one uh, target here, you can't get them to, to speak out against, you know, the climate data and the science being, you know, unproven uh, or even defending themselves effectively. They, they think that they can uh, bargain with the other side. Well, look They're at BP. In- BP was proudly proclaiming we're headed towards a carbon-free future, which is insanity at its base. And, <laughs> and now they've had to reverse themselves, at least uh, verbally. Every, every, the European uh, energy companies, which used to be state-owned, so I, I think that's still in their DNA, they have been the most receptive and, and aggressive trying to please uh, the ESG left on this, and it's gotten them nowhere. Um, you know, Shell's a great example. The more they try and promise they'll cut emissions and do the right thing, the more they get sued for various other things. Yeah. And any energy company that's telling you that it's going to be a carbon-free future, you know, you're, you're not going to invest in them. You're not going to get employees to work for that firm. So it's, you know, it's self-defeating. Uh, the U.S. companies haven't been as aggressive, but still, they, again, they've been stuck in the bargaining phrase thinking that you know, my segment, if I'm a gas producer or if I'm an integrated, I'm a very large uh, player, I'll be the last one standing. And <laughs> the reality is no one's going to be standing, and natural gas – doesn't work anymore because we've made up this new thing that methane is is a killer greenhouse gas worse than carbon dioxide and and that science quote unquote has only developed in the last 10 years when gas exploded in this country from fracking and we realized that you know we've got decades of of gas to uh, bring to market amazing uh, well, uh, Paul Tice, what can we do? Uh, the race to zero is a clear call to arms. It describes that this is not capitalism. In fact, it's the opposite. What can we do, uh, people listening to you now and people reading so, your book? I think um, people should obviously uh, patronize whatever company uh, that aligns with their values, and the same goes for their investment advisors. 
right? So if you're not comfortable with the, the public pronouncements and, and some of the ESG-related statements and policies, then clearly take your money elsewhere, right? So that, that's a given. The other thing I think um, the public needs to do is educate themselves a little more about climate change and what's really happening behind the scenes with regulations. I think most Americans intuitively know that it's a scam um, and it's a fraud and there really is no climate emergency. But just to arm themselves with a few more facts, in and, and the second chapter of my book, I kind of go through it from a layman's perspective, just to show all the fatal flaws in the, uh, in the argument. But take that knowledge and start lobbying your lawmakers. And, and we're talking Republican lawmakers, because obviously Democrats align uniformly with this agenda, and, and pressure them to take the lead, because in order to reverse this, we need to dismantle the regulatory state that's now being put in place. That's going to require government resources. And frankly, I think the states are going to need, the red states are going to need to lead that charge. Yeah. I don't think Republicans at the federal level have shown themselves to be competent and too ambivalent in terms of speaking out uh, against climate science. So um, West Virginia versus EPA, I think, was a, a good precedent in terms of reversing the clean power plan and the logic there. I think the same... Um, legal argument should be made against all the financial regulations that are coming down because they clearly want to set economic and energy policy, and that's beyond their purview. Um, so I, I think clearly you need to give an earful to your local Republican lawmakers. Well, Paul Tice, an important book, a book that uh, needs to be read and uh, a prescription that needs to be followed. The Race to Zero how ESG investing will crater the global financial system. Guys, get it. It's, it's, it's what is happening and the how-to to try to stop it. Paul Tice, thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Thanks and, for having me. Let's follow up anytime. Okay. All right. We'll take this break. Bob Cadaro, WILK, back with our Veterans Tribute in the weather. Our veteran today on his 93rd birthday, Charlie Buddy Majikus. 93 today, Korean War veteran, just celebrated his 69th wedding anniversary on Monday with his wife, Betty. He served in Korea, a combat veteran, saw the horrors of war and that overlooked war and its brutality. Then worked 31 years at Eberhard Faber, the pencil factory, and 20 years at General Hospital, retiring at age 78. He raised four sons, and Charlie, his son, says, took darn good care of us. Nine grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, his newest grandsons born this year, Jack and Charlie the Fourth. Proud tradition in this family, the Majikas family. Happy birthday, and happy anniversary, our veteran today, Charlie Buddy Majikas. Now to something much less important. Not that she's not important. The weather report isn't. From meteorologist Ali Gallo, though, today increasing clouds with rain developing in the afternoon. It'll be about 42 degrees. Tonight, breezy with rain. It'll mix with snow in the higher elevations. You know where you are. Low of 37. 
tomorrow, Friday, morning rain and snow showers, turning breezy and colder in the afternoon, but it will get up to about 48 in the morning. Then the temperatures will drop through the afternoon. Hmm. So, uh, but, but but I heard Allie Gallo on the morning news, and she said weather's was going to be in the 50s next week. Now, my experience, and I'll bet yours, is that um, if we get good weather in February, we have hell to pay in March and sometimes even in April. Like, it all balances out. So, we shall see. But, I mean, I'll take the days where you could get them. Right? Well, Paul Tice has written an important book. The Race to Zero. I'm telling you, if you have interest in this subject, if you have interest in preserving capitalism and your freedom, which is what capitalism is, you want to get race to zero and bring yourself up to speed on this very important but very invasive issue. The left is on attack. They're on the attack in every single aspect of our lives. And they've spewed their lies for so long on every issue. It doesn't matter if it's race against capitalism. Essentially, look what they do in every case. They're going to try to use this environmental and social governance to destroy capitalism and then blame capitalism for that destruction that they have caused. It's what they do in every case. Doesn't matter if it's the border, crime in our cities, abortion, these gender wars that they've engaged in and started. They destroy and then blame that which they destroyed for the destruction they've caused. It's amazing. Look at Matt Cartwright. Look at Joe Biden. Oh, here we are to solve the crisis, ignoring the fact that they caused it. And all they're trying to do, and and see, these are the regulatory things. Why a Democrat, Democrats cannot be elected. Because they're going to the regulatory state. You can call it the deep state, you can call it whatever you want, the establishment, to force these things on companies. When those companies fail, they will blame the companies. They will blame capitalism and justifying more control after their control is what caused it. It's across the board. It's in every aspect of your life. And they're going to go for these battery powered cars are just part of it. They're going to go for electronic currency. And then they've got you. And then it's over. Game over. I don't know. I, I it's uh it's scary. And I admire the guts of people like Paul Tice writing about it. Facing up to his old boss, Larry Fink, who's one of the worst professors of this false faith, of the climate change hoax. Oh, 
It's scary. You could somebody texted in. You can go back to at least 2010 and see this initiative was being implemented and forced. Americans just don't pay attention. NPR was big on promoting this. Look at that's the Obama. That's the gang. That's the left. That's the ludicrous left that are, that are in charge of the Democrat Party, and the rest just follow blindly, stupidly. All right, let's take a break. Bob Cadaro, W-I-L-K. At the uh, beginning of next hour, we're going to be joined by Rob O'Donnell, who's going to be doing his show from CPAC. Oh, he had great interviews last year, so we'll talk to him about what he sees coming up at the Conservative Political Action Conference down in Washington, D.C. We'll take a break. Bob Cadaro, W-I-L-K. Buddy Majikus, he's our guy today. We'll be back. Proud Mary, Creedence Clearwater Revival. This date, 1969, moved from number 21 to number 9 with their hit, Proud Mary. Charlie Majikus, in his 93 years, a heck of a lot has happened on your birthday. We, we know from our first hour's history that there being no leap year way back when, George Washington's birthday of February 22nd sort of had to be contrived. So we're going to honor, I know we could honor George Washington today, but we we definitely honor Buddy Majikus today. My birthday is February 24th, and I don't, I don't usually infuse myself into it, I my opinions all the time, but um, I just think it's a great month to be born, and I'm happy to follow in the wake of uh, Buddy Majikus with my birthday. Somebody, uh, Jim, Jim in Bloomsburg text in, LTS, Bob, excellent guest and show. The word govern is to control exactly what your guest was saying. Another text in, Bob, many states now, about 23, have made gold and silver legal tender. That's going to short circuit any kind of digital currency. Pennsylvania's would adopt gold and silver as legal tender, just like it says in our Constitution. But it isn't practical. We, we can't, we, you know what, the, the solution is to not let them do it. To vote Democrats out of office. And if any Republicans get that kind of idiocy in their minds, vote them out of office. Electronic currency will be the the end of your freedom. Battery-powered cars are another way they'll do it. And, And make no mistake, it's their goal. And you have innocent rubes and fools and idiots and naivete and all that following this. But the core of it is evil. It's about dominance. It's about control. It's like, it's like old James Bond movies. It really is. Somebody texts in, don't forget about social credit scores. You're right. Another, Bob, I believe to combat ESG is to act locally with mom and pop stores. I'm with you. Take your money elsewhere. And and remember how it all ties together? The Democrat governors shutting down mom and pop stores and restaurants. 
the IRS getting 85,000 new agents to go after mom and pop businesses, small businesses and restaurants that can't fight them. It's all of a piece. It's the same direction, and they're going at it in every single way they can. But one of the most important components of that is to make you, actually the younger generation, hateful and distrustful of the institutions that were created in freedom. By the way, thank you, uh, Mary Regina, for being persistent. Mother Teresa, St. Teresa, for February 22nd. She says, whether one is a Hindu or a Muslim or a Christian, how you live your life is proof that you are or are not fully his. We cannot condemn or judge or pass words that will hurt people. We don't know in what way God is appearing to that soul and what God is drawing that soul to. Therefore, who are we to condemn anybody? Mother Teresa for February 22nd. Well, (laughs) as usual, not as usual, as sometimes happens, I've got to say, Mother Teresa, some of us have different jobs, and we've got to condemn evil, and that's what we do here. We've got to condemn wrong, and those who prescribe it and would impose it upon our lives. So... A little disagreement with Mother Teresa today. We'll be back. Three Dog. Three Dog Night. Great song. They released their hit, Joy to the World, this date, 1971. And my little uh, garage band faith tried to faithfully recreate the song. And we didn't do too good of a job. Uh, myself and Gerard Del Rosso, Joe Del Rosso, and Matt Serrano... With Bobby Hayson singing, we didn't have a microphone. He yelled in his hands. But that was our first song. Three to, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Now known better as Joy to the World. All right, let's get a quick call in before the top of the hour. Joe from Plains, we got a couple seconds, my friend. Good. Um, I just wanted to give you an update uh, of what happened at last night's Luzerne County Election Board meeting. One of the things that was brought up by Alyssa Fisaro one of the board members She's great. Uh, was that um, uh, there was an internal bipartisan investigation into uh, the drop boxes in last year's election. And some of the results came out that were stunning. Um, they came up with uh, from, from uh, the drop to drop in a couple different instances, uh, the drop numbers that the sheriff counted were 245 ballots. And when they went through the the video, they, those 245 ballots were dropped off by 30 people. And, I, isn't, and, and Joe, isn't it like, oh, we didn't know. How could this possibly happen? It's right, a guarantee. Right. And the same thing happened in another instance where there was 15 people dropped off over 100 ballots. And there was more more results. Then Alyssa Fizarro uh, tried to get a motion to get rid of all the drop boxes, and it was uh, it was voted down by the three Democrats. Wow! And then the uh, the election head uh, put up a motion to uh, keep the drop boxes in place 
and the three Democrats voted to continue the fraud. <laughs> well, so I mean, it tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it, Joe? Right. That, that's where that's where we're at with our elections in uh, Luzerne County. So oh, uh, and, until something happens, until uh, somebody uh, gets gets the. I don't know what to call it, but they have to start. They have to get rid of. I, that I've kind said of this, uh, Joe. If you remember last year, and we, we do have to go because it's news time. But I said this: the Republican Party or the groups that are doing such great work on behalf of Republicans have to be at each drop box, two of them at right. least two, right. with right. with their camera phones mm-hmm. on video. And they've got to film them for as long as they're open. It's just no alternative. But one th- one thing I'd like to say is the, these great groups of Republicans aren't doing things for Republicans. They're doing it for everyone, right? And they what we're doing is we benefit. I, I, you're everyone. right. Thank you for saying that. That's right. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you a little piece of what happened last night. It was over a three-hour meeting. Big but, point. Uh, that that was one of the most stunning things that came out. The the Democrats voted to continue the fraud. Joe, thank you so much for that. Uh, Hang in there down in Plains, my friend. Okay. All right. We'll take a break. It is time for the news with Brian Hughes. Drop boxes should be called fraud boxes. We'll be back. Go to YLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 